Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. What is up? It's the Nightcap. Full show. Two hours, seven nine here on WGR. My name is Joe DiBiase. Hockey playoffs ongoing. We got a couple of games that are just about to get started. The Lightning trying to stave off elimination. In game four of the first round. Who saw that coming? In Columbus, that game just about to get going. If you're looking for it on TV, NBC Family and Networks. They got games all over the place. CNBC is where you can find Tampa and Columbus. And the 730 game, which is the Penguins and Islanders, starts at 730. That's on NBCSN. Penguins also trying to stave off elimination. Incredible that the odds on Tampa coming back are double what they are in Pittsburgh. And it makes sense to some extent. Um, Tampa is, I got to start putting the regular season part in front of best team we've seen in 20 years. I can't just go ahead and say, hey, the Lightning, this Lightning team is the best NHL team we've seen in 20 years because they're down 3 nothing in round one to the eight seed. A good eight seed, but to an eight seed nonetheless. 803 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. Trying to talk about draft, uh, the idea of trading up for the Bills. I wanted to get into that a little bit. Hoping to have Paul Hamilton on in about 20 minutes. Talk about the Sabres coaching search. There's really no news on the Sabres coach search. Which, there's good and bad too. Doesn't really give you a lot of content to play with. But on the other hand, it allows you to speculate. Because really all you have at this point is speculation. Other than speculation, there'd be no coach search. Ralph Kruger, the list. What you know, the list. We'll get into that a little bit later on uh, as well. Um, I want to start with the playoffs though, because I am so jealous of all these teams, all these series. I'm watching. I watch almost all the NHL playoffs, especially in the first and second round. Like I am there for all of it, and. Being hockey, being my number one, my favorite sport, uh, playing it like my entire life, like loving, loving playing hockey more than a sport. Like it is my sport, and just the appreciation that I'm finding, I'm having for all these young stars on other teams is making me so jealous of the Sabers not getting there. Because I'm watching Colorado. And I'm watching Nathan McKinnon in the first period last night. That guy was absolutely dominant. You know, hockey gets a lot of crap for being the sport where on a given night you might not notice the superstar. 
Crosby and the Penguins might come to town. You might get games where you don't notice Sidney Crosby. That happens. But it seems to be happening less and less. Scoring was way up. You had five guys get to 100 points. You had two guys get to 50 goals. The offense was up. And you've got youth producing all over the league. In Colorado last night, Nathan McKinnon in that first period was a monster. And Cal McCarr, fourth overall pick, like he gets to show off a little bit of his hands in his first NHL game, scoring his first NHL goal. Super cool moment. And I'm watching these young players last night. I'm like, oh, just imagine. I'm just an NHL fan, hockey fan in Buffalo, New York. And I'm watching Colorado and Calgary. Two teams that I really have no affiliation towards, no hate towards, no love towards. And I'm just watching it for the appreciation of their young stars. Goudreau, Monaghan, and Kachuk on the other side. And, again, jealous because the Sabres have two guys that... When they get good, and Eichel's already been really good, those are the type of players that some random guy, maybe in Denver, Colorado, flipped the script. Some random fan, Avalanche fan, is watching the early games. He's watching the Sabres play before his Avs take on the Flames because the Sabres are in the playoffs in that world. And he's watching Eichel, and he's watching Darlene, and he's going, wow, look at these guys. A little jealous of that. That's not just in Colorado. It's happening all over the league. The Islanders right now with Matthew Barzell, that dude is awesome. The Leafs with Marner and Matthews, like they're getting to show off on the big stage. They've been to the playoffs every year of their careers. Columbus has two of the best young defensemen in the game with Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. They're going to show off in the series. They're both scoring goals and they're both shutting down the best team in the league. Even Carolina. I know he got knocked out cold by Alex Ovechkin last night. And you feel for the kid right now. But Andrei Svechnikov, like game one, he scored a nice goal. He's 18 years old, third or 19 years old now, probably. Second overall pick. Like that dude just shows up and he's getting to show off on a big stage. And I'm just so jealous of these young stars right now. And it really makes, for me, that itch wanting the Sabres to get to the playoffs even, it's magnified because of what's happening to me and these NHL playoffs. It's happened before, of course. But, like, this one especially, like, Nathan McKinnon highlighted it for me last night with that first period he had. That was the best first period I think I've seen a player have in recent memory. Like, off the top of my head, I can't think of a player in the NHL where I thought he was that dominant in one period. McKinnon scored two goals. He set up McCarr for his, his, uh, his first career goal. Bunch of chances. I think he's the second best player in the world, in my opinion. I think McDavid's one. I think McKinnon's two. I think I'd put Crosby three. It's probably not a very popular opinion. Crosby's definitely a better two-way player. He's definitely better in his own end. He's probably a better passer. But McKinnon is just so dynamic. He's so strong. His hands are... He's got Patrick Kane hands with Milan Lucic strength, Connor McDavid skating, and an Austin Matthews shot. Like That's almost how I think of him. Because he can just... In the offensive zone, he's about as balanced a superstar you can find. And I think if you are not watching a lot of that series right now, and maybe because Colorado's out out west a lot, if you get a chance, get to the Avalanche. They might not make it through the series. They are up 2-1, to one, but Calgary's number one in the, in the west. That's a tough opponent. Any chance you get to watch the Avalanche right now, the way Nathan McKinnon's playing, that's about as good as hockey gets. So I would definitely emphasize to anyone out there that's like, hasn't seen a ton of the late games, that's the one you need to get to.
Avalanche and Flames. So, now I'm also watching this Lightning and Blue Jackets series, and I'm looking up right now, and it's not even two minutes in, and the Blue Jackets are already on the power play, so we'll see how that goes. But, Tampa losing like this is mind-blowing, isn't it? I mean, you knew it was hockey. You knew there was a chance Columbus could win. It's a talented team. For all the skill that Tampa has. I think on paper, the best built team in my lifetime that I've seen. Columbus had uh, has talent all over the roster. Like I said, I think Wierenski and Jones are maybe the best tandem of young defensemen a team has in the league. Sergei Bobrovsky, when he is on, is one of the best goalies in the league, and he is on right now. And they've got some good forwards. Duchesne is good. Panarin is great. Dubois is a really good young player. Felino's okay. Atkinson's okay. Like they have, they have some depth there to go along with some really solid forwards up top. They're a very balanced team, and they're they're good. But them winning like this is insane. In four games, they might win. It's one nothing already. Blue Jackets are up one to nothing. It's insane that they're winning like this, and I think it really highlights how valuable great goaltending really is when you have it. And goaltending's kind of an interesting one. It's a, it's a bit of an, enig- an, enig- an enigma. That was the word I was looking for there. It's a bit of an enigma. It's almost like quarterback in a sense in the NFL where you kind of need to get great play out of that to win a championship. Right? Like a, go- a hot goalie can carry you all the way through the playoffs. The Kings did it once. The first time they won a cup. Their team was not insanely good, but Jonathan Quick just stood on his head. So... A goalie can carry you on his back to the playoffs or to the cup. But it's different than quarterback in that, you know, quarterback, you've got to really get it by going to the top of the draft. Like, there are exceptions. Of course, Russell Wilson just signed the most expensive contract in NFL history. But he was a third, and he was a third round pick. But in large part, you're going to get your franchise quarterback in the first round. You got to invest big in that position. Then when you land that position, you have to pay them way more than any other position. Like, that's a given. That's how that works in the NFL. And even though goaltending, I would say, like you kind of need to get the same level of play out of your goaltender, it's different in that, like, where you find them. Like, I don't have to spend first-round picks on goaltenders. I don't have to spend top-ten picks on goaltenders. I don't have to spend big free agent money on goaltenders. I don't need to trade big assets to make sure I've got a superstar goalie because they come out of nowhere. It's almost like the importance of quarterback play combined with the value that you find at running back in the NFL. That's the best way to compare it. And now I'm watching Columbus. And Bobrovsky playing great. You see how valuable it is. Columbus, who's now up 2 to nothing, like five minutes in. They are destroying the Lightning. Four, not even four minutes in. Blue Jackets are up 2 nothing. Anyways, Bobrovsky, you see how valuable it is with him playing great. Right? When he was playing poorly in the playoffs, he had a bit he he earned a reputation for being bad in the playoffs, Sergei Bobrovsky. And what was it? It was making the playoffs because he was great in the regular season, and it was first round exits. And first round exit after first round exit because they weren't getting the goaltending. And even last year, when they got up to a two nothing series lead on the Capitals, in large part, Bobrovsky had a great start to that series, and then he fell fell off and the Blue Jackets couldn't sustain success and they lost. This year, the rest of their team is playing well too. 
But Bobrovsky is playing unbelievable. Game one, when they were down 3 nothing, the second period and third period of that game, the Lightning were still pl- dominating possession. They were dominating scoring chances. But Bobrovsky was making insane save after insane save. And you see, when he's playing at the level he's capable of, like at the tippy top of how good Bob- Sergei Bobrovsky can play, when he's there, you go from... First round exits to you're about to beat the best regular season team the NHL has seen in 20 years. In four games. That's the difference. And I thought about Bobrovsky as like a wild and reckless idea for the Sabres. Because, like I said at the top, I want the Sabres stars to get there. I want them to be showcased across the league. And that's only a small part of it. I want the Sabres to make it there because I've loved them for my entire life. And it's been nine years. Eight years. Feels like nine. So selfishly and recklessly, part of me looks at Sergei Bobrovsky and the Blue Jackets. And how solid he is every regular season. Like, they make the playoffs every year. Columbus does. For a franchise that historically, for their short history, never made the playoffs. They made it once and got swept with Rick Nash before Bobrovsky showed up. And now they're in the playoffs every year. And even before that, when he was a really young goaltender, he had the Flyers in the playoffs. We saw what happened when he got there, especially here against the Sabres when they were cycling through like five, six goalies, it felt like. No, it was three goalies, but they maybe changed five or six times in that Flyers series in 2011. We saw that young Bobrovsky. It's playoffs every year for that guy. And you see right now against Tampa, the level of play can really, like he can raise it up. And when he does... You're almost unbeatable. And part of me, I would say my heart, like the heart part of me, wants the Sabres to do that. Because you signed Sergei Bobrovsky this offseason, and you're automatically in the playoff race, if not in a wildcard spot, I think at the least. I think you are certainly right on the, you're knocking on the door of the playoffs if that guy's your goaltender. He's that good. And that'd be fun, and we'd love him. Until the playoffs, at least. And then we'd see. We'd love the move, probably, right away. But then my head starts to kick on. And you gotta rem- And then part of me remembers, hey, goaltending, you should be able to find that. And paying that much can really sink your cap. Like, Montreal is going to find themselves in this position real quick, and they're already starting to. They're paying Carey Price over $10 million a year to be their goalie. And he's great. But he does have some off years. And him getting paid that much hinders your ability to go out and build a superstar roster, kind of like the Lightning have right now in their division. Kind of like the the Leafs have in their division. The Leafs to a lesser extent. Bruins too. You're paying ten point five for Carey Price. It's a lot harder to do everything else. And goalies you can find. Second round, third round, Linus Olmark. I mean, he did, he had a bit of a rough second half of this year, but he was a six-round pick. And he's in the NHL. And I think you can at least admit he's back up at backup level at least. Should be able to find that. Carter Hutton, you know, for the first half of the year was really good. And what was he? He was a career backup in his 30s that I only paid $2.5 million for. And you know what? He did a pretty solid job in the first half of the year. If you would have flipped those two, maybe if Olmark's great 
half of the year would have come in the second half and Hutton's in the first, and maybe the Sabres would have had a different story to their season. But anyways. Then I dig a little deeper into my head, and I'm trying to convince part of me, like, hey, Bobrovsky, why not? And then you start seeing Uka Pekalukkanen's making 60 saves in juniors, and Uka Pekalukkanen is now playing for the Amherst, and Jason Bottrell expects him in Rochester next year. And the Hockey News has him as one of the top 30 prospects in the NHL, and I think they had him ranked as their number one goalie prospect that's been drafted into the NHL. And you're sick of waiting. I'm sick of waiting for a lot of these guys. Because patience is running very thin with that team. But really, like the smart thing to do would be to wait for Lukanen. Or and hope that Allmark can take another step forward because he's still young. Goaltender wise. Hope that he takes another step and maybe he can become a starting caliber goaltender. And if not, then you've got a kid coming along coming soon that's going to be in the AHL next year that by most is considered one of the best goalie prospects in the world at the least. And that to me, like that's why you don't make a move a goaltender. Like I think their goalies are going to be the same next year. But isn't it just a little fun to dream about that idea, Bobrovsky? Because you're watching him with the Blue Jackets right now and if he keeps playing the way he's played against Tampa so far, are they losing to Toronto next round? I think maybe a lot of people would expect they're going to lose to Toronto in the next round. Or Boston. Boston's only down 2-1. But man, you can't count out a team with a goal, with goaltending play that good. And around here, that might even be a very enticing idea to invest in that position. Because the two times in the last 20 years that the Sabres have been at their best. Maybe not even at their best. But there's been two instances. Because I wouldn't include 6 7 in 0506 in this. Like Miller was good those years, but he wasn't their best player. But there has been two instances in the last 20 years where your team was really good at the least and your goalie was your best player. 99 Hashik and to a much lesser extent, but still an example of this, Ryan Miller in 2010. Like you saw it. Ryan Miller plays at a Vesna level and he took a team that was 10th, 9th like just on the outside of the playoffs every year, to, boom, I have this year for you, we're third in the conference. We win our division. I don't know. Otherwise, because I don't, I don't know what other changes you're looking at here. I want to risk the line in is an idea um, for a trade, obviously, that we've talked a lot about. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't expect anything to really happen with that. I think you're going to see Carter Hutton and Linus Elmark. I didn't really expect... To get down this goaltender road here, I mean, it's April 16th. The Sabres have been over for two weeks, and I'm sitting here talking about goaltending, but it came to mind. I got the playoffs on right now. It's hard to not think about it when you're watching the Blue Jackets right now. And their team overall, man, I, they're so interesting for what they did at the deadline. A lot of people killed them for it. Not everybody, but a lot of people killed them for what they did this offseason. I loved it. Not the offseason, the trade deadline. I absolutely loved it. You've got a GM that's been there for a few years. Hasn't really won anything in the playoffs. Uh, two of his best players are UFAs in the offseason. And there's really no immediate sign that either one's going to resign with you. Bobrovsky and Panarin. So you've got two options. You can either 
cave, trade your starting goalie and your best forward, get as many picks and prospects as you can at the deadline, trade them to a contender, and hope you back into the playoffs. Be a nice story. Be competitive in the first round. Or you go the complete opposite. You go not even scorched earth, but just all in. Push all your chips to the middle. Trade. Keep Panarin and Bobrovsky. Trade picks for rentals like Duchesne and Zingle. And you just go all in. And not worry about who's staying and who's going after this year. Because you're going all in right away. And they are seeing the fruits of that labor right now. I felt bad for them when they got matched up with Tampa because I respected what they did at the deadline so much and it seemed like it was going to be really tough for them to, to enjoy that or to get credit for that because they were playing on a 128-point team with a 128-point scorer in Nikita Kucherov. And here they are, 2-1. Tampa just scored Steven Stamkos. So that game is 2-1, to one, and we're about five minutes away from the Penguins and Islanders getting underway. NHL playoff scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorney. Switch to football a little bit when we come back, get into the idea of trading up versus trading down. And the, the one of those that I usually like the idea of, I think I've kind of flipped this year, given where the Bills are specifically where, with their picks and their, uh, and their, and their, uh, their roster. We'll get into that a little bit more as we progress here. Talk some more hockey as well as we go along as well. So nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Quinn and Williams is what Ed Oliver would be if he was an NFL-sized body. Unbelievable pass rush ability, fantastic quickness. Everything that Ed Oliver is, Quinn and Williams brings it with another 20, 25 pounds, and that's huge. Oliver is viewed as an outlier. If he's going to be successful in the league, it's going to be despite the fact that he's much lighter than the typical defensive tackle. It's the fact that Quinn is doing it at such a bigger size that makes him the better player. Benjamin Solak, Draft Network. I'm going to show up in the Bulldog earlier if you missed that. That was one of our best draft interviews I think we've heard all season. That's on demand at WGR550.com and the Radio.com app. The Blue Jackets scored again. It's 3-1. There's some sort of challenge here or something. I don't know, but it's 3-1 Blue Jackets from what I see on the TV. Whew. I mean, does John Cooper get fired? You have to think about it at the very least, right? I said it last night a couple times. Like Coaches get fired for a lot less. This dude cannot win in the playoffs. And it I don't necessarily think it's his fault. At least entirely. This goal might come back. But, oh, man, if they get swept tonight, that's got to be something to watch for. And that would be the whale the Sabres, I think, would want to look for. Like that is the guy. That would have been the best coach available in the entire offseason, in my mind, even though he's had his struggles in the playoffs. Like That's the guy I'd want. But I don't know. If you're Tampa, like, do you do that? You have an insanely good roster. Oh, that's that's going to be... V- lightning radio. If there, is, if there is such a thing as lightning sports talk radio in Tampa Bay, that would be a hot topic. Um, just think about it here. If the Sabres had... Made the playoffs with Dan Bilesma, for instance, four years in a row. They couldn't get out of the first round. Do you fire Dan Bilesma? That conversation is so far away from me right now. 
And the goal was reversed. So uh, Tampa's only down 2-1 to one with uh, just under eight minutes to go in the first period. And that clip there by Benjamin Solak, he's talking about Quinn and Williams. Switching to football here. We got nine days till the draft, and this Quinn and Williams, we're starting to we're starting to hear more about him, read more about him. A lot of people are actually calling him the best player in the draft. But because of his position and because of the needs and teams in front of the Bills right now, like there is a chance that he'll fall to nine. A very slim chance, but it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And out at Oliver would be the consolation prize if that's the position you go with. Defensive tackle. And the idea of trading up, that's come up a little bit. And in general, I would say it's a better idea to trade down whenever you can. You get more assets, more chances to hit on star players, and the math usually checks out on that. And this, historically, has been a team in the last decade that trades up a lot. Sammy Watkins, Reggie Ragland, Josh Allen, that one might work. Zay Jones, TJ Graham, there are a bunch of them. But this year, it actually might be a good idea. Like I'm starting to th- I'm starting to really warm up to the idea of trading up, especially if this Quinn and Williams guy is all that he's p- built up to be, like a superstar defensive tackle. That that's that's great. It's great to have a superstar defensive tackle. I'd rather have superstars at a lot of other positions, but if I can get the next Aaron Donald. Yeah. I think I'm in for trading up for that because they've the Bills have landed themselves in a spot where and Brandon Bean talked about this uh, yesterday. That they, I think they have done enough in free agency where it is fair to say they don't have a glaring hole. That's how Bean put it. And I gotta be honest, like I think I think I, I don't always agree with what McDermott and Bean say, but I think I do agree with Bean on this. I don't feel that we have a glaring hole. Like I said, I'm never gonna sit here and say we're we got some positions that are stronger than others. I, mean, I don't have to go through those. You guys are pretty sharp people. So we still do have quote unquote needs, but not going into the draft with a glaring hole was the focus and will be the focus every year at free agency. I think that I think that rings true. I don't really see a glaring hole on their team right now. There's absolutely a bunch of positions that they should improve on, um, but there is no glaring hole. And now you can actually talk about best man available. I always roll my eyes when when that gets said. We're going to take the best man available. Well, you need a quarterback. So are you really going to do that? You need a. You have no wide receiver depth at all. You don't have any receivers. You really going to pass on wide receiver? You going to tell me you didn't draft Zay Jones because you had no wide receivers? Come on, of course there's need. Tremaine Edmonds, you going to tell me you didn't trade up back in the first round because of need? You did that. It's fine. You should do that once in a while. But like I think realistically this time like they really have set themselves up where I'm almost okay with any position that they go with. I'd prefer they go offense, but I'm almost, I'm I'm not gonna be up in arms no matter what they do, except running back. That should be a given at this point. It really should be. It's not a given for everybody. Still got that Gettleman over in New York who's still drafting him second overall. But for the most part, that should be a given. But yeah, you've done enough in free agency where I I'm okay with you doing whatever you want. Whoever you think is gonna be the best guy. If that's a defensive tackle, I don't love the position that high, but. 
Go do it. Because receiver, that was my biggest problem with you, with the Bills. Easily. Was how slow, how bad, just in general, they were at wide receiver. With Kelvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes and relying on Zay Jones to be your fastest guy, your deep threat. Like, come on. What were you, what were you kidding yourself with that? It's amazing they made the playoffs with that receiving core. But they did. They've absolutely turned that around. At least stylistically. John Brown is fast. Robert Foster is fast. Cole Beasley is super quick. They've done a good job making over that position. To where they don't have to draft a DK Metcalf. I don't really want them to do that either. That's a risky idea. Like you've gotten yourself to a point where you don't have to you don't have to take that sort of risk at that single position at the very least. Cornerback. You found Levi Wallace. You signed the corner from Houston, Johnson, in the offseason. You brought EJ Gaines back. You don't need to do number two corner. You can get away, you can get by. Offensive tackle probably would have been the next on the list on the offense, like something you needed. The Senseke guy, I don't know. Like, I had never heard of him. It seems, it would seem like a bit to bite off. Or it would be like a pretty, a bit of a stretch to think some guy in his mid-30s has never really been a starter in the league could come in and just be your right tackle. But all the smart guys think that. All the pro football focus guys think that. Warren Sharp likes him. Like, all the smart football guys seem to like him. So, all right. I'm okay there. Tight end, Croft is okay. I'd like to do better there. I love the idea of Hawkinson at nine, but if they don't draft Hawkinson, Croft's a serviceable number one tight end. Certainly an upgrade over what I had in Charles Clay last year. By the way, quickly on Croft. Was on my fantasy team for a couple years, and I, I tend to watch my fantasy players more than other people, and the one thing I always thought when I watched Croft was this guy is Scott Chandler. I think he's a better blocker than Scott Chandler was, but he just reminds me a lot of Scott Chandler. Tall, like a good receiver, not super, super athletic, but a good receiver. And super tall. So, there's probably a lot more differences than just that, but that's what he reminded me of. Um, So yeah, I'm almost okay with whatever they do, and on the idea of trading up, like that kind of figures in, like to your roster. You can, you can Take a shot like that because you can afford. Like, you can't really take all 10 guys. I don't think. Sal has this to Brandon Bean yesterday. And I think he was spot on with it. Like, you have 10 draft picks. You only have 53 roster spots. You've already got a lot of spots figured out. Are all those guys going to make the team? That seems a little unrealistic. So, why not take three or four of them and instead of getting three or four good players, go try to get one insanely good player? Go try to get one superstar. I'm warming up to that idea. And even if that means at nine. Or, I think what my favorite idea is, and I don't know how realistic or how uh, how likely this is because there's a lot of moving parts to this idea, but I like, I'm starting to like the idea of them moving back from nine. Maybe grabbing Ed Oliver a little bit lower. I got Todd McShay talking in the last few minutes on ESPN. He's talking about the Redskins... And uh, Miami, I think Miami was the other one, maybe wanting to move in front of Denver to make sure they get the quarterback they want. And guess who's one pick in front of Denver? The Bills. So maybe you trade down a few spots. The Redskins are at 14. The Dolphins are at 13. That's only four or five picks. Maybe I get Ed Oliver there. And then I get extra picks. And then 
Like, this is the second part of my, I think, the idea I really like. Taking those extra picks you got, plus the extra picks you already had, and maybe moving back into the first round. Then I like the idea of DK Metcalf. If he's sitting there in the late teens and the early 20s, and you have all these picks stored up, especially if you had traded back, like I just mentioned, like 14 or 15, and Metcalf is sitting there, that's when that risk is worth it to me. I don't love, I don't like the idea of him at all at nine. I think it's way too risky. But if you tell me you've already got Ed Oliver on your team and you have a chance to move to 2021 right before the Ravens pick and they might be wanting Metcalf, that's a dream scenario right there. That's my dream scenario at the very least. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll hear from. Mark Ludwizik of the uh, of Bills Digest. He was on with Howard and Jeremy. We'll uh, play that back as we progress here. And the NHL playoffs continue to go on here. Columbus still up two to one. Five minutes to go in the first period. And the Penguins are also underway with the Islanders. Pittsburgh's already up one to nothing. Not even a minute into that one. Both teams, Pittsburgh and uh, Tampa, are looking to avoid sweeps. This playoff NHL playoff scoring update is brought to you by Fiegel and Carr. Your border attorneys. 8030550 is the phone number. If you got any thoughts on my draft uh, dream scenario there or on the NHL playoffs, ring us up. 8030550. We'll get you on hold. We'll get you right on here on the nightcap. Jody Biasi on WGR. I want to improve. I want to win football games. And, you know, the quarterback's job is, you know, to put the ball in the end zone and lead a group of guys. But it takes all 11. So we'll continue to do that and continue to grow as an offense. And myself, personally, get bigger, faster, stronger and try to gain more depth inside the playbook and, and try to get inside Coach Dable's mind and understand what he's trying to do when he calls a certain play. You know, I know we're a long way out from football games, but, you know, ultimately that's our goal is, you know, we want to be on the field together and, and start winning football games. If you don't know his voice by now, you should probably get used to it. Probably. Josh Allen, Bills quarterback, meeting with the media at phase one of the off-season workout program yesterday. Madison balls and workouts and running and LaShawn McCoy seemed pretty tired today. Uh, He tweeted about that. Um, Allen is, uh, you know, the guy for this year. He's not getting a lot of limelight this offseason because of all the moves the Bills have made and because we got the draft coming up, and he's not really a part of that, obviously. But at some point, the talk's going to turn to, all right, it's about him. You've surrounded him with some good players. You you finally got the deep threats with Foster and John Brown, and maybe they add someone else. You've got an upgraded tight end in Tyler Croft. You gave him some linemen. You gave him some depth at rec- you gave him a slot receiver and Cole Beasley. And you still uh you still gave him a defense. You held that together. So at some point here, and this is this is it, like this is the point this year. Like, you gotta do something with it. And he was good last year. I thought he was good. I wouldn't say he was great. I think if you think he was great, I think you were kidding yourself. I think he was amazing at rushing the football, and I think there was a lot of work to be done throwing it. And the stats never showed what he was in college. Well, they did to an extent. But like at some point, you're not going to be an elite quarterback if the stats don't follow. The stats are just an indication of how good you're playing, for the most part. Not entirely, but for the most part. Patrick Mahomes was the best player in the NFL last year. He was the best quarterback in the NFL last year. There's a reason his stats reflect that. 
over 50 touchdowns. Right? He got the 50 touchdowns, I think. And Allen, you know, like, you're going to have to see an uptick there. You're going to have to do better than 2,000 passing yards, 10 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions, and 11 starts. You're going to have to do better than that. And I think he has the ability to do do that, and I do think he has the tools now to do that. So now he's got to do it. And that is what, to me, makes this year more interesting than a lot of other years. Like, every year the Bills are a a 6.5 point, uh, or 6.5 over-under win team. And this year is different because this is, like, the one year where you really, like, you could have, you could blow that number out of the water. Before? No. Like, when Tyrod was the quarterback, I'm a big Tyrod defender, but limitations. Ryan Fitzpatrick, limitations. Trent Edwards, J.P. Lossman, all of them, limitations. And you knew they had limitations. So you knew, hey, you might get over that six and a half, seven over under for wins, but if you do, it's only going to be by a little bit. You might get to eight or nine, and you might. Sc- we were all hoping one day that they would somehow magically get to ten. They never did. But this year, like now, there's actual upside. Like now, there is like you. This is the first time in a really long time where you can look at that six and a half over under and think not only could I top that, I could blow that away, and that's possible. It's not likely, I don't think. But it's possible. It's Allen could just show up and have Mahomes' season. It's like I said, super unlikely that he has that season. Fifty touchdowns. Is he gonna multiply his passing touchdowns from last year by five? Probably not. But I mean, the guy can throw it ninety yards. Who knows? I'm not gonna say definitely not. And that's to me why this year is even more interesting because not only like this is the year you're gonna analyze Allen. More harshly, but this is also the year that you actually have some upside, and that's because of what you have at quarterback this year. You have optimism at quarterback. You have a ceiling that you can actually look forward to. Hey, maybe he hits it. So that's where they're at with that. I want to continue to talk some draft uh, when we come back. Uh, I promised Mark Ludd was from uh, Bill's Digest. We'll get to that as we progress as well. No uh, One scoring update actually for you in the NHL playoffs. The Islanders have tied the Penguins at one, and they're on the power play uh, just about halfway through the first period in that one. So then I cap with Jody Biasi. Hour number two is coming up next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 